Hey everyone, this is Kurt Mercadante, and whether you're a first-time listener or a long-time listener, I want to thank you for choosing to spend your time with me and our guests here on Freedom Mindset Radio. You know, now more than ever in this turbulent time, it's important to share and spread our message of freedom and fulfillment around the globe. So if you get value from this podcast, I have a favor to ask. If you could go wherever you listen to this podcast and leave us a positive rating and review, that helps us carry our message further around the globe. And if you wouldn't mind, Post a link to this podcast on your Facebook page. Share it on Twitter, on Instagram, on LinkedIn, wherever you're at on social media. I want to thank you for helping us take our message to those people around the globe who truly need it. And I want to thank you for being a loyal listener. Thank you. I will never be able to maximize my revenue. And you know what? I don't care. I want to maximize the value of the impact and the influence I can have on other people. And I know that's, that's kind of like, that's kind of lame but I'm okay with it. What does the word freedom mean to you? Only you can define it in your life and only you can decide to build the life of freedom and fulfillment you deserve. This is Freedom Mindset Radio. I'm your host, Kurt Mercadante, and we're grateful you're here. Mark Hunter, the sales hunter, author of the fabulous new book, A Mind for Sales. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me on. We are going to have a good conversation if the pre-show was anything like what this is going to be. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. And and I hope, you know, uh, on the last couple of lives I've done, uh, my internet has gone down. And I'm wondering if that's because everyone's at home streaming Netflix right now, uh, testing the bounds of, of broadband. But Mark, you are one of, I think, I can't remember when I had you on. I think it was either earlier this year or last year. And you told me this book was coming. At that time, I think I, I referred to you as one of the uh, the the faces on Mount Rushmore of the Outbound Sales Conference. Um, you've been working for Fortune 200 companies, known as the Sales Hunter. You left your corporate role in 1998 to show companies and salespeople how to maximize profits by prospect prospecting more effectively. Uh, high Profile Prospecting is your book, your most recent book before this, and High Profit Selling. Mark, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me on. And it is. We got a lot to talk about. Yeah. And I, I was going to mention the 200 days a year you spend on the road traveling, but at this point, um, you're grounded. Uh, I've been home for actually 12 days now. And um, yeah. And in fact, I just had another reservation come through that my flight is canceled for tomorrow. So just in case I was wondering why didn't go, it's canceled. So, hey, I'm here. <laughs> we, uh, we were supposed to travel next week and I'm waiting for them to cancel it. So I officially get my money back easier, but uh, I have a feeling they're not canceling flights so that you're forcing people to call. Um, you know, Mark, offline, we were discussing the fact that uh, I've been reading the book throughout the week and that you've had feedback from people that it seems like you wrote this book specifically for this crisis. And one of the very first highlights I have in the book is the quote, it's not about having the right opportunities. It's about handling the opportunities right. And I've been interviewing a couple people this week who talked about the fact that opportunities are everywhere. If you just look, but can you explain that quote? Because it's not just about seeing them. It's about handling them in the right way. Well, that's the whole challenge because what happens is every day we see opportunities. I mean, I, 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 I'm seeing opportunities in this situation we find ourselves in. And you know what? 
if I had been living the normal schedule, I would have been too busy to see them. So now I see them and I can actually respond to them. And, and this is the challenge. Um, think about a baseball player who's out, who's out in the outfield. The fly ball comes to him. Well, he, everybody can see the ball. It's up to you to catch it and then make mm-hmm. the play back at first base you get a double play you know it's baseball season it's happening right now but we'll go ahead and throw in a baseball analogy and uh, yeah this whole thing we we've got to be able to respond especially right now and what i find interesting is so many times uh you know i say the valleys are never as low as you think they are Hmm. and the mountains are never as high as you think they are and you may think this is not an opportunity but you don't tell you sniff it, scratch it, feel it, work it. And then it's amazing what it turns into. Uh, that's, that's the marketplace we have out there today. I see a lot of folks um, who are just assuming that, well, I see, I see a number of things as it relates to sales right now. I've seen people that say, broad brush, stop selling right now. Don't sell. People don't want to hear from you. I've seen other people say, for God's sakes, don't sell, just be human, which I'd like you to dissect that interesting false dichotomy. Uh, And then I see other people who just assume, gosh, I don't know if people want to hear from me right now. I'm panicked. And so other people are panicked and I'm not sure. What do you tell people across that kind of spectrum of panic? Well, it is. And it's all over the place. First of all, selling is human. Selling is a relationship. You know, I say that sales is not a job. It's not a profession. It's a lifestyle. And what is the definition of sales? It's about helping other people see and achieve what they didn't think was possible. So my whole thing, in fact, I I just did a video on this and I've been talking to a lot of my clients about this. Here's the whole thing. If you have the ability to help someone, it's your responsibility to reach out to them. Now, you got to do it with a certain sense of listening to everybody's backstory. I, I'm telling this to everybody. I'm having more conversations, and I'm sure you are too, because right. people are socially deprived, and they <laughs> it, it's amazing. People are actually picking up sales calls, you know. But but here's something: you've got to be willing to listen to somebody's backstory. Empathy in the relationship matters more than ever. There's a key concept I talk about in the book, and that is you have to sell with integrity. And you have to sell with a level of authenticity. And boy, do those two things ring loud right now. Mm. And if you can't listen to the person's backstory, both personal and professional, you've not earned the right to continue. It's interesting. I've talked to, I've talked to a few folks who are in a panic and, and one person said his his revenues are down and his conversations are down a little bit, but he expects them to go up and Pete, there's some uncertainty. I've had three discussions with people over the last week who said their revenues are up. You know, one guy who helps people build online businesses, someone else who helps people with their careers. Uh, I had a webinar with 20 people on it last week and resulted in four sales calls. And I don't, I don't say that as a, to brag. I say it because I would have never known that if I sat on the couch, sucked my thumb and said, no one wants to hear from me. <laughs> that, that, see, this is the whole thing. I, th- there are people who want to put their head in the sand and just pretend that this will all go away in a day or two. And I, I'm sorry, but but sales is not an easy, life is not easy. I'll tell you what, life throws us a lot of curves. I, I did a video the other day 
Then I said, if this even lasts for six months, and I don't know, it might last for six months, that really is not even 1% of your total life. 1%. Right. You know what? That's not much. Get over it, folks. I mean, we talk about, oh, how we're all big and tough. And yet here we get thrown a, a curve. And yeah, it's a curve. My business has been hit. My business is down. But you know what? I'm finding other opportunities. I'm finding other ways. And I'm finding other things that are actually going to allow me to have a much stronger business, PC. Oh, I'm not talking political correctness. I'm talking post-COVID. Hmm. And so, I mean, this whole thing, you, you, you've got to, if you want to win a game, you got to, you got to take the field. Yeah. Yeah. You know, without giving away state secrets, you are someone who, when this whole thing started, uh, you were one of probably two or three people that were consistently in my social media feed with a message of abundance. I don't say positivity because positivity, uh -huh. you can whistle through the graveyard, right? It was acknowledgement of what's going on, but a truly abundant. Uh, and at that time, things were not shut down. And so you were still going to some, uh, some sales meetings. Your bio says 200 days a year, you're traveling, doing these events. In your book, you write about everything from China to uh, Dubai. When this hits, it, it's a gut punch, right? I mean, all of a sudden these things are canceled. I tell people, thank goodness for 50% deposits. This is why you have them. What is your process for uh, shifting to say, all right, I just lost X amount of revenue. Here's what I'm going to do to shift and either start from a blank slate or turn, I hate the lemons and the lemonade thing, but, <laughs> but turn it around. Well, yeah, this whole thing, you, you always have to say where, where, it, where are the opportunities and there always are. And yeah, so what I have to say is I have to say, okay, how do I, first of all, take care of my current clients? And you're right. I've got some clients that are going through some very difficult times. I was on the phone the other day with a company in another country, and they were looking to me for legal advice before they went to their judicial system, their legal system for bankruptcy. I don't do that. But you know what? They just wanted an ear to listen. They just wanted me to hear. They're in a country that's been hit very hard by this. Did that help me? No, no. But did it shape me? Yes, it did. Interesting. And you see, what is that doing? It's helping us all shape our own backstory. And what does it do? It makes us more empathetic to be able to listen to the next person we talk to. And I think right now that is so important because everybody comes at it feeling their situation is the worst situation possible. Nobody could be in a worse situation. And it's also very e eager. And th there are people out there who will say, oh, you just, you know, right, punch it up, tough it up and so forth. And everything's going to be, you know, the, and, and I go, hold on, hold on. There's some difficult times out there. Yeah, I'm going to always find the. I'm always going to find the positive. I, I put a video out today. I said, congratulate yourself. Every day, congratulate yourself for something. What happens is you begin to see things differently. You begin to see little opportunities. I was talking, here's a very good sales example. I was talking with a CEO of a mid-sized company yesterday. I don't do business with them. He called me based off something I had sent him. In other words, I another right now I'm doing is creating prospects like clients. I have a newsletter I send to clients. I'm now sending it to prospects. 
he picked up the phone, called me. He had a meeting. He, he called me and he told me some things about his manufacturing company. They're, they're up and running. They're going good. They're a key piece of the supply chain of the food, of the agricultural food industry. And he shared with me some interesting comments regarding what would happen if one of his employees on some of his production lines was diagnosed as having COVID, you know, and suddenly that began sending some mm, ideas off. I immediately picked up the phone and called another client that I do work with. And I said, hey, here's an interesting thought. You sell to try to, to make an operation more efficient, more you don't have to use as much labor. But now what you're doing is you're selling this to help make them COVID resistant. Because if they don't need as many employees on their production line, there's less chance of them going down. You see, so what I'm doing is, is, is I'm helping to find opportunities here and repositioning them over here. And as I'm talking to this guy, I was talking with the CMO and the COO of the company. And they both said, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. I said, yeah, it, it, it's just shifting messaging. This is how we find opportunities. Yeah, and, and you, you, you've said it here numerous times, and it's a key theme throughout this book, but your other books as well, that word listening, big L listening. And, and I think a lot of people think of sales as coffees for closers, uh, get on the phone. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Knock walls down. It's brute strength. And you talk about the importance of listening, right? In discovering those opportunities, but also, uh, I love it how you rip into the, uh, uh, the, the sales people's, uh, capabilities presentation and how they love to talk about themselves for 10 minutes and then they lose everyone. Right. Yeah. You know, this is funny. The capabilities presentation just never dies. It, 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 it is still alive very well in the demo. You know, we're going to, we're, we're going to do the demo and the demo, the demo is code for the person on the other end to go ahead and check email and do everything else and just say, uh-huh, uh-huh, no, uh-huh, 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 no, no, I don't have any questions, uh-huh, yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, it really is. Uh, and and I always, you know, there's a couple lines I love to use. The best presentation ever given is the presentation never given. Hmm. Because I just want to have a conversation with you. And the other piece you have to ask yourself is, the only good sale is one that leads to the next sale. You know, if all you do is one-off transactions, that's an ugly way to make a living. I want to be able to do so. That's why I hate the term closing. I'm opening a relationship. But here's the whole thing is that I, I, I get the sale, but then in turn, I'm going to get an additional sale from you, a referral from you, something. Else. I mean, in other words, there, that is the mark of creating a relationship. And it goes back to another piece I talk about in the book. When you prospect, when you sell with integrity, you will get customers and clients who have integrity. It's amazing. The scum truly does attract themselves to fellow scum. <laughs> and, and, and a lot of what you're talking about, I mean, you, you, when you talk about listening and the opportunities and connecting to clients based on what you hear their needs to be. And especially here, I think a lot of people are finding out right now in this economy that there's a difference between being a vendor and being a trusted advisor. And what you, everything you've talked about is that strong relationship breeds uh, you being a trusted advisor because I would assume that vendors are first to go. Trusted advisors are needed in a crisis. Well, without a doubt, because the vendor, all, all, the vendor will be replaced as soon as they can find somebody cheaper. And, and if, if, if you're, if you're a vendor, that means you're selling your product. I don't want to sell a product. I want to sell an outcome. What is the outcome? 
And I want to be seen by my customers as their R&D department, my research and development department. That is so key, especially right now. There, our customers, our prospects, everybody, are craving for the really good information hmm. because many of their normal channels have been cut off. You know, their normal channels is that they can walk down the hall and talk to so-and-so. Well, he's not there. She's not there. Well, because everybody's working from home and schedules are, are funky. I mean, it's just, you know, so a lot of those traditional communication channels aren't happening. Hmm. I want to be the person to help fill them. And, and to me, that's just, that's just, that's just being a good person, right? I mean, that, 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 right. That, the business of business is business, but the business of business starts with people. It's a relationship. That's that false dichotomy that some people would think of either be either sale or be human. And that that denotes that's why I always say there's no such thing as work life balance. That's a false dichotomy. There's yeah. just life, thank you. Right? Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Hey everyone, this is Kurt Mercadante, and I want to thank you for being a loyal listener to Freedom Mindset Radio. You know, in this chaotic time of coronavirus chaos, it's so important for people to have a process to define, create, and live their lives of freedom and fulfillment. I lay out just that process in my Amazon bestseller, Five Pillars of the Freedom Lifestyle. And in light of this turbulent time, I've dropped the Kindle price of my book to $4.50. That's a more than $2 drop in price. I do this because I truly believe that this is a process that will help those who need freedom and fulfillment now. Perhaps it's you. Perhaps you have spent the past five years, 10 years, 15 years trading away your freedom and fulfillment for a false sense of security and a toxic job and a lifestyle that doesn't fulfill you. And now you're realizing that security was an illusion and you want your freedom now. Go to fivepillarsoffreedom.com right now. There you can get chapter one of my book absolutely free and there's a link to purchase the book. As I said, we have dropped the price to $4.50 for the Kindle version of my book. I know the five pillars of the freedom lifestyle will help you define, create, and start living your freedom lifestyle now. Thanks again for being a listener. I wish you a day, a week, a year of freedom and abundance. Talking to Mark Hunter, his new book, A Mind for Sales, Daily Habits and Practical Strategies for Sales Success, seems like it was written specifically for this crisis, but in reality, if you're not, if you wait till a crisis to get your stuff in order, right? It, it maybe it shows. I mean, we're seeing this now, right? We we have a certain amount of regulations to protect us, and now all of a sudden they have to get rid of all of them in order to to make masks and make tests. Well, why did you have them in the first place? But bring that down to the personal level, right? You should be prepared for a crisis year round. I mean, they happen every ten to twelve years. Well, you know, you, you bring up a good good point. Uh, Anybody can lead when times are easy. It's when times are difficult that leadership becomes very difficult. That, that's when leaders are created. And I'm sorry, but if you've been a jerk up to two weeks ago, you can't suddenly flip a switch and, oh, I'm, I'm Mr. Nice. I'm really going to help you. No, that's sorry. Here's the whole thing. We live in a very transparent society. 
social media has 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 wiped out. I mean, people say, "Oh, I can have a mask on social media." Eh, there's too many back channels. <laughs> there's too many back channels. Right. It it just doesn't it just doesn't work. And 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 the level of communication, the level of dialogue, um, you can't. Some, somebody somebody asked me yesterday. He says, "How do you create trust?" And, and, and I said, first of all, you can't talk trust. Trust is something you live. Hmm. You know, because words are cheap. You can't talk trust. You have to live it. And you can't suddenly have been one person and turn around and be another person. It doesn't work. And I think this is what we're seeing right now is this is the unveiling of a lot of salespeople who have had some really lousy habits. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what? I'm glad. I mean, I hate to say it. I'm glad. Yeah. Because sales is about helping people. And again, uh, I can't jam, you know, customers have become really smart. I mean, let's not, I can't jam something down your throat because you have the ability to check, to verify, to, to authenticate anything that I say. So salespeople who are still out there using that approach, um, go ahead and put your polyester suit away and go ahead and, um, leave the room. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and, and in a good economic time, looking at sales as helping people, I mean, aren't there some foundations of that involving, well, if you don't see the value in what you're selling, then it's hard to look at yourself as helping people. And maybe you got to find something else to sell. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Well, okay. Now, now see, this is what's interesting because this whole helping thing, if you carry it far, all you become is customer service. Hmm. Yeah. You know, I, 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 there, there's only four ways that people get sales. There's only four ways. One is from existing customers. Two is they, um, choose to refer you to somebody else. There's another division, something of that nature. Okay. Three, there's the inbound stuff, the stuff that just drops from the sky, manna from heaven, just boom. It, it just, you know, the, the phone rings. Yeah. And then the fourth one is true selling. This is the problem. Most salespeople have focused on the first three hmm. and they really have not learned how to sell. This happened back in the, I, okay, I'm going to have to use the word because I guess we're in it right now, recession. Uh, back in 08, when we had the last recession or 09, I, I can't quite remember what, you know, when it was. Um, and, and there were a lot of salespeople that suddenly realized they didn't know how to sell because they had just been used to answering the phone. Orders had been flowing mm-hmm. into them. Well, guess what? I hate to say it, but this is the clean and purge cycle once again. And you have to learn to go out and create value. Pros- prospecting, boom! Wow, yeah. that's a scary word. But yeah. And I want to highlight something you just said. You said back in the last recession, I don't remember when it was. The fact that you can't remember when it was shows, it, it highlights what you said earlier, that this is 1% of your life. I mean, my dad, he, he passed away in 2012, grew up in the Great Depression. And 50 years later, he told stories of the Great Depression, but had a wonderful life, went 
graduated from college, had a career. And for those of us who uh, have, have many years left, whether you have five years left or whatever, it's still a portion of your life right now, right? It, it is. And this is where you have to take the long view. And, and this is where I see so many people, that they're taking the short view. Oh, my life is never going to be the same. My life is never going to be the same. And no, years ago, I, I, I had a very tough time in my life. It was shortly after we were married and um, we had one kid and my father passed away and it was very, and, 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 it, and I got, yeah, it was just, ah, oh. and I never thought my life was going to be the same again. Wow. Hmm. That was almost 30 years. That was 30 years ago. Hmm. I've had a wonderful life. It's been great. Yeah. And so never look at the situation you're in today being permanent. Never look at the situation you're in as being uh, more than just a moment in time. And you know what? To me, that's fantastic. That is, uh, we always tell salespeople, hey, you never know what the next call is going to bring. You never know what the next call is going to bring. And, and yet, 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 why are we then sitting there saying, oh, it's over. It's done. No, it's not. We're just getting going. Man, I'll tell you what, PC, it's coming quick. It's coming quick. So, you know, speaking of, of crisis situations and remaining uh, calm in the storm as a way, to, uh, as a course of leadership, uh, can you share this story? Um, I don't think you're giving away too much by sharing this story, but there's a story in the book that I was laughing about. And actually, I was, I was kind of wondering... I, I, as a kid, I was on these canoe trips and uh, you tell the story of the canoe trip. And I was actually wondering, cause you didn't say till the very end of the story, what happened? And I was like, wait, whoa, what did happen to them? Did Mark screw up? But, but you remained calm in the storm. Yeah. Well, and, and this, this was so real. I mean, we, we had 250 high school kids. They were high school kids from church that I had agreed to help go on this trip and, and we're canoeing down this river and it's great, got rapids and all kinds of stuff. But if you go too far, you hit the falls. And that is not where you want to be. And we were to canoe down, and I was the trailing canoe. I was the last one. And the whole idea was that the buses would be parked, big buses. You'd see them. That's where you stop. So anyway, I come in last in my canoe, and, and people are freaking out. Uh, there's about 20 people that aren't there. <laughs> And they're asking me, so Mark, where are they? No, there's nobody behind me. The river is empty. You know, the river's empty. And uh, so these are brothers and sisters of other kids and so forth. They're starting to freak out. And the person who was leading it was probably about a 23, 20. And she was getting a little bit, mm, and a few others. And I, and I just started laughing. So so we're all huddled together. And of course, all the kids are are watching us. And, and I just kind of start laughing and I start chuckling. And I go, come on, guys, laugh with me, laugh with me, laugh with me. <laughs> And, and, and we start laughing and it was amazing how suddenly it diffused all of the tension that was building in all of these kids. Their brothers and sisters were still missing, but suddenly it was no longer an issue. See, it's amazing how people take their cues from other people. And, and then, yeah, after about 15 minutes, the kids showed up. They went too far. They found a rancher, a farmer who was able to bring them back upstream. You know, every yeah. everybody lived. No bodies were, you know, we didn't fish for bodies. No, no, everything, everything worked. But it was an amazing situation. Um, 
that there was maybe six of us adults with maybe probably 220 kids. I mean, this was not good numbers. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I mean, we, we had the chance of, of wailing. I mean, these kids were starting to freak out and, and yeah. just, just start laughing. Um, <laughs> That notion of, of, you know, people taking cues from you and reacting, responding, feeling your energy. Now, a lot of people say, oh, that's magic. That's law of attraction, BS and whatever else. But it happens. I mean, someone walks into the house. I mean, in our house, we have four kids, my wife. When one of us is off, especially when, when dad is off and dad has low energy, it travels through the house, right? And people know it without me saying a word. I've seen you speak, but not in person. I was going to see you speak in person, but that probably won't happen for a while. Um, you're very high energy. You talk about energy. You talk about starting your day with energy, getting it going. How do you keep your energy rolling? Because I'm sure there's days when Mark gets up and doesn't feel like having high energy. That's when I go back to bed and say, screw it. I'm done. I'm not, I'm not I'm, That's it. That's it. No, no. You know what? It, no, let me believe me, we all have difficult days, but here's what I find. As soon as I began programming myself in a very positive way, it's amazing how it changes your mindset. You know, I'm doing a lot of very short, very positive videos. And I can't help, especially when I did the first few, I, I couldn't help but feel better after I did it. Hmm. You know, the, the, I, I learned this from a CEO and, um, I won't say the CEO's name. I, I don't have permission from him, but he was CEO of a Fortune 100 company. And he was incredibly gracious, incredibly nice. And um, he made the comment, he said, one of the reasons, and, and he also very high energy and, and just very positive. He said, one of the reasons I do this is because I want people around me to feel positive. I want them to feel good. But you know what? It makes me feel, feel better too. Hmm. And you know what's interesting? I make better decisions. I make better decisions. Interesting. Interesting. And really stop and think about that. And you can use a sports analogy. You look at the cerebral coaches on the sidelines, the ones that stay calm in the midst of the storm. You look at the players that stay calm. What are they able to do? They're able to turn things around. And, and when you are looking at the positive, it's so easy to sink into the sewer. It's easy. And again, you see teams in sports that fall into the sewer and they can't get out. Yeah, yeah. I had, uh, last week I had Walter Bond. I don't know, do you know Walter? Oh, I know, uh, yeah, yeah, great NBA player. Walter's a great guy, super Yeah, yeah. He, uh, he told a, uh, he told, well, he tells a story in one of his speeches, but we talked about it again, of being with the Utah Jazz. Jerry Sloan was his coach and, and how Jerry had them running a lot of drills. And Walter wanted to play. He just wanted to run up on the court and show what he had, right? And Jerry Sloan said, listen, you got to learn these habits and rituals. And Walter, I think he, he learned about habits and rituals, but to, to give your best, even when you're not doing something that you think is sexy, right? You talk about a boss that you had, not at a Fortune 1000, not a Fortune 500 at McDonald's, Phil. Yeah. And wow, you use him as an wow, example. You have really read the book. You have really yeah, read the yeah. book. I, well, Weinberg told me when I was on, he was surprised at my reading comprehension. And I, I think I discovered from doing these podcasts that I actually have some sort of photographic memory when I read. But um, he, uh, but you talk about Phil and, and his ability to 
even though he was running a McDonald's, man, he ran that like like it was his baby. You know, that, that and, I, and I was 16 years of age. And I don't think I told the backstory. Actually, there's a future story in that. Hmm. Uh, he was incredible how he held that, organized how he held that. He had that magnetic ability to bring out the best in people. And, and I, I really do think that was one of those little things that triggered me when I responded to the trip 15 years later. You know, hmm. that's interesting. But what is very interesting is, is he didn't realize this, but about three years later at the age of 19, I was managing the second highest volume McDonald's in the world. 19, wow. second highest volume McDonald's in the world. It was in Fairbanks, Alaska. It was when the pipeline was being built. And he didn't realize, he wasn't training me to do that. He was just doing his job. Hmm. But you know what? I was picking up signals from him. And believe me, those signals, what I learned from him, helped me immensely when I was managing this, this over-the-top volume McDonald's in a credibly stressed situation three years later. See, again, we don't realize the impact we have on people years and years down the road. It's interesting that you mentioned that. You mentioned football earlier and the great coaches. And, and you know, I went to the University of Iowa, and you look at someone like Hayden Fry. Oh. And not only the record that he had, but the coaching tree that he has produced, uh, Barry Alvarez, Kirk Ferentz, but now Belichick doing the same thing and producing a Nick Saban. And it's not just about how they win. It's about the, the, the other coaches they produce. See, that, that, there's something there. And this is what I always tell. Um, if you're graduating from college, one of the things that you want to look at as to where to go to work for, it, for the type of company is where do people go when they leave there? Hmm. I had the years ago to work for a company by the name of uh, General Foods. And um, it was swallowed up eventually. And, and But what was very interesting was one of the reasons I went there is because there were about half a dozen people that had left there and gone on to become CEOs of Fortune 500 companies, you see. So you think about it. That's the, you know, that's Hayden Fry had the coaching tree. General Foods had the management tree. And because what you want to do is you want to surround yourself. You want to surround yourself with people who are going to help you succeed. And again, it's, you know, in my book, one, one of the chapters I have in there is, you know, nurturing your network. You know, how do you create your network and how do you create your team? How do you create your, because these are so critical because what does it do? Every one of Hayden Fry's players didn't take the field always feeling 100%. No, let's not get ourselves. But Hayden Fry was able to create a culture that other players came around them and lifted that player up. Same thing in sales, same thing in business. You mentioned the network and, and, and one thing I'd, I'd like to shift over, there's, there's a lot in this book. It's a gold mine, not just for salespeople, although I shouldn't say that everyone's in sales, right? But it, to some degree or not, I have four kids. I got to sell. You are selling every day. <laughs> um, the networking piece, um, because as I know, and, and the networking and network and how you spend your time within that. Now, you, I know you are someone that when you talk about going to network events, and last time we were on, we spoke, we spoke about, you know, all the realtors who go to a networking event and breathe each other's exhaust and wasting your time. But you also talk in the book, the importance of giving your time to others to help them along. It's a fine line, right? Because the amount of people 
you and I were service providers and we provide intellectual capital. And so the amount of people, hey, can I pick your brain? It's a fine line, right? Because people pay us to pick our brains. How do you draw that line? Because I get, uh, there was someone who, who, I won't give names here, but you know some of them. And he said, hey, can I hop on a call? And that week was jam-packed. And I was, and, and it's that fine line of, I, I, I give time to my family. I give time to close friends. I give time to my clients. How do you find time to give time to others and uh, not find time, but how do you determine that line? Well, yeah, that, that is, I mean, and, and unfortunately some people who I want to reach out to, it slips through the cracks. Let's, let's not kid ourselves. I have found over the last several weeks as I've been, my calendar is absolutely packed. I mean, I, I go from this right into another call. I go every hour yeah. I, have, I have another call. And um, some of them are emotionally draining because some of them are basically, I want to pick your brain and they're, they're in trouble. Okay. I know um, I set myself up for too many of them, but that's just my DNA. My DNA mm -hmm. is to help people. I firmly believe, and I'm, I'm not expecting anything in return. It's just straight line. But here's what I found. I can have conversations with people that are totally, hey, let me just pick your brain. And I walk away with 10,000 ideas. Hmm. I walk away with, wow, that's, that's really interesting. That's something I want to explore. That's something I want to, I want to dig down. I want, I want, I, that's see to me, um, I never go into one of the things that I, that, and boy, this is going to come across wrong, uh, but it's okay. I'm going to go ahead and say it because <laughs> you do that all the time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the mark of a successful person and an average person. The mark of a successful person says that there's always something to be learned in every situation they're in. Okay. They can go into a conversation uh, and they somehow they're going to come out of it with something. The average person walks in, you know, there's nothing to be gained here. This is a waste of time. This is a waste of time. And as a result, they miss, they miss. You see, I, I, I believe every day or every week we are painting this mosaic picture and the mosaic picture is comprised of 100,000 dots. And each conversation is just another dot we're putting on the canvas. <laughs> and we may have 100 of these canvases that we're work working on at any one time. We may complete one in a week. We may not. Yeah. But over time, those canvases begin to reveal amazing pictures. See, that's, you know, there's a reason why Warren Buffett reads 500 pages a day. I because, love that part of your book. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he re, yeah, he lives right down the street from me, but then the town's so small that everyone lives. Down the street from me. <laughs> Hi Warren. How you doing? Hi, how, he's just, he's walking. He's walking down the street right now. Yeah. yeah. Um, he, he reads 500 because, because it's, it's intelligence has a compounding value. Now he says it differently, but, but, but the whole idea is, is that the more he reads, the more he learns. And so what does that do? That makes him more in tune with being able to moment the opportunity that suddenly pops up. I mean, right now, you know, he's got $132 billion in cash in Berkshire Hathaway, 132 billion. We haven't heard much from him the last couple of weeks, but you know, his gun, he's always said he's got the elephant ready. Yeah. And you know he's going to be striking with some pretty big deals right now because of what's happening in the economy, right? Right, right. right. He's going to be able to make those decisions because he's done all this reading, all this background ahead of time. Hmm. 
as you decide who, so, so speaking of Buffett, he is notoriously, and you write about this in the book, absolutely radically protective of his time. <clears throat> and you mentioned that he spends, he, he frees up a lot of time for the reading and he has yeah. a lot of empty time, but also for uh, reaching out to network. But I assume you, even though you like to help people and it's in your DNA, and I assume Warren Buffett has some sort of a barometer of, mm, you know what I'm saying? Like I, I, if I called Warren Buffett, even if it's in his DNA to help people, probably ain't going to pick up the, the, the call. Yeah. How can you, don't, don't give me your barometer, right? But, or, or you, you like to call Warren for you? Yeah, right. Please, please oh. do. Yeah. I have some <laughs> advice. Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, obviously you have a different, you have a, you have some sort of barometer to manage your time because you can only handle a certain amount of calls a week, right? Yeah. What's your fine line between helping and uh, prioritizing? Well, that, that's, that is a real challenge because unfortunately I violate my own boundary <laughs> a lot because it's in my DNA to help people. Yeah. I mean, it's last night I was on the phone for about an hour and a half with a person that was finding out they were losing their job. Mm -hmm. And, but you know what, when I hung up the phone, my wife said, you actually enjoy it. I said, yeah, I did. Cause I was able to help that person. I was able yeah. to help that person. Um, does that have a straight payout to me? No, sure. No, I don't care. Um, my assistant, but, but it did, right? Uh, well, it, it did. Yeah, it did. It did. Now, my, my assistant, I, the last couple of weeks, I've been getting a ton of emails and notes from people saying how much, how thankful they are for stuff I've provided and stuff they've sent. And it's very gratifying. Uh, but I know as a result, it also creates a lot of phone calls. And yeah, I have to shield some of them. I can't, I can't spend as much time with people. Um, but again, sales, and see, this is, this is, boy, this is going to come across. I will never be able to maximize my revenue. And you know what? I don't care. Hmm. I want to maximize the value of the impact and the influence I can have on other people. And, and I know that's, that's kind of like, that's kind of lame, but I'm okay with it. I don't think it's lame. And, and I, and I want to highlight and draw a line back to something you write in. I can't remember which book it is, but we talked about it the last time we were on. You have an entire chapter about the fact that profit is a good word. So you're not saying this as some sort of, uh, I'm some sort of, I don't know what the word is. Uh, you know, uh, money is not important and money doesn't do anything and profit is bad. You're doing it knowing that profit is good, but profit is a value for value exchange. And you write throughout this book and all your books that sales is about helping people. It, it is. And, and there's nothing wrong with profit because here's the thing. If I make profit, then I couldn't do what I'm doing. You see, I mean, it, it's a very simple thing. So, so I do have to, and, and there are limits that there are boundaries. No, you've crossed that boundary. If you need this, you have to pay for this. Yeah. You know, because I need to, and here's the whole thing. When people do put out monetary money for something, it is amazing how much more they value it. It is amazing how much more they value. It. And here's the whole thing. If you, I, I had somebody sit there and say, Mark, you're coming out with your new book. Are, are you just going to give away the Kindle copies for free? No, no, I'm not. No. Yeah. First of all, I can't because my publisher wouldn't allow it. But <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but, but he, 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 here's why, because here's the whole thing. 
the value of the book is so significant. Yeah. It's chump change. Yeah. I mean, I, this is this is the whole. I mean, you don't walk in Starbucks and say get free coffee. Okay, they're doing it now for healthcare workers. My wife's a healthcare worker. I told her stop at Starbucks on the way home, pick up a free coffee, <laughs> <laughs> and, and if you don't drink it, give it to me anyway. Um, but but you, you don't walk into Starbucks and say I want free coffee. It's not going to happen. Yeah, so, that value is a two way street because if Starbucks didn't make the profit. They wouldn't be able to reinvest in their business, pay their people, et cetera, et cetera. Same thing on my end. You know, I, I have to make a profit and there's nothing wrong with the profit I make. I don't, I don't run from it at all, but back to the old piece. Could I make more? Yeah, I'm sure I could, but you know. Yeah. Cool. That, it, it, there's that old saying, right? Nobody washes a rented car and they don't, they don't value it. And, and uh, you know, uh, just from a, from my current business, the folks who pay more, are more committed and have better outcomes because you know they, you know, they value it more and, and the value and you attract a different level of client that this is, I, I, I'm, I'm telling clients right now that I work with, they say, Mark, should we go out with a free service? No, you will attract, boy, this, you will attract people that will not stick with you. Right. They will drop you in a moment. And what, what's very interesting is the more you pay, there's a, there's a gentleman, a lot of people will know his name, Alan Weiss. And a lot of that conjures yeah. up a lot of different feelings. I happen to like Alan Weiss. Yeah, he, he's got a unique personality, but I love the guy. He made the comment years ago, and I heard he says, Mark, you don't want to work with people who get upgraded to first class. You want to work with people who fly first class. <laughs> and when he first told me that a number of years ago, I kind of like, there's no, hold it, hold it. They're there. Yeah. There. Well, right now, nobody's flying first class. Okay. <laughs> right now, nobody's flying. But, yeah. right. but, but I mean, it, his whole premise is he, he says your price point attracts the audience. When I do mm -hmm. keynote speaking, my fee is quite high, but it attracts me to a different type of audience than if it was quite low. Yeah. And that's fine. I'm fine with that. Let's shift gears a little bit. Talk about Mondays, because you write a lot about Mondays in the book and the fact that a lot of people use Mondays as their ease into the week. I'm going to plan everything. Why is that the wrong attitude to have about your week? Well, it's the wrong attitude because you're wasting 20% of the week right there. Boom. Okay. <laughs> Let's just get over that. But here's the whole, here's what I found. Think about it. Think about it. When you wake up in the morning and you take a few hours to kind of get things going and it's amazing how the whole day drags along. Conversely, if you wake up and you hit the ground running and you're moving, boom, I got up this morning at 430. And by about 435, 440, I was on my computer sending emails back to my PR company on my book release. We we're trying to finalize a couple things and so forth. It was, it was a critical. And boom, I, I, I'm in um, boom. I do that before I, I work out, before I do anything. And but it gets me going. You see, I always say do one of your biggest jobs right out of the shoot. Hmm. And this is the key with Monday mornings. Too many people sit there and they 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 take for 
they take hours to get, you know, there. And then, and then those are the same people who will turn around and take Friday. I got to get caught up on paperwork. You know, that's code for my grass is growing and I need to go mow my lawn. <laughs> by this, by the same token, you also talk uh, on the issue of productivity of people becoming so obsessed with, well, you talk about email and social media, but also becoming obsessed with their sales tools that were told that this new whiz bang CRM and sales technology will make you sell more. And so they spend three hours organizing their CRM. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever known somebody because they did their CRM so well, they were in the president's circle and they won the trip to Hawaii? Mm, it doesn't happen. It just does not happen. I mean, this whole thing, right. There are some people that, and there are some companies and teams and sales, man, I'm calling out sales managers here who get so obsessed. And I get this whole thing. I, I, you know, you know, people say, well, if it's not in Salesforce, it didn't happen. I get that. But what happens is they get so caught up in their sales stack and they have so many tools in their sales stack that they can't, they can't maneuver. They simply can't maneuver. It, it, it's like the person who has this house and they buy some furniture and then they buy some more furniture and then they keep buying furniture and buy furniture. And, and before you know it, you, you, you've lost all essence of what the house is all about because there's so much crap in it <laughs> and, and, and you can't navigate your way around it. And that's kind of what, that's what I see happening with sales stacks. Yeah. Uh, um, they, they just, oh, that's a shiny tool. Oh, that's a shiny tool. Ooh, let's add that. Let's add that. But they never take anything away. And my whole, my whole goal, in fact, I, I, I write in there about the guy who, who threw up on the CRM system and just keeps all his stuff in a, in a three ring binder. Um, right. and, he's the, and he's the top performing salesperson in the company. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. I mean, I mean, if, if, if management really knew, you notice I didn't, write the person's name or the, yeah. I mean, if management knew, man, let me tell you something, they'd be ballistic. <laughs> uh, I mean, they would, they would be ballistic, but, but he, he, here's all it's the tool. You are not driven by the tools. You are to drive the tools, you know, or, or let, let's put it this way. I mean, if, if, if you are beholden to the actions of the tools, something's wrong. You know, I, I, I think the best tool, You've got a really good tool. It's called your brain. Use it. Hmm. Use it. When uh, on that note, you know, uh, when when companies prioritize the utilization and mastery of the CRM. Now, as a salesperson, I would assume your number one outcome is, I mean, I don't know, selling, <laughs> right? And so, so when you look at at a day, because throughout the book we've had discussion about productivity. You have the big outcomes you want to achieve for that day. And you write about that, about knowing what it takes, this isn't the exact words, but to win the day. Mm -hmm. It's, it's mm -hmm. not organizing your desk. It's not this, although some people count that as an outcome. How do you differentiate between, because uh, I just had this question this morning and I answered it one way. I'd love to hear you answer it. Your outcomes for the day and your to-dos for the day. How do you separate out yeah. those out? Your to-dos should help you get to your outcomes. But too many times what happens is we simply write down to-dos. Oh, I got to get back to this. I got to get back to this. If the to-do doesn't move you closer to achieving the outcome, then get that to-do off your list. I'm going to give you a class example. Uh, I have been, tra I was traveling almost nonstop up until about two weeks ago. 
And my desk here in my office was an absolute mess. Now I can't turn the camera around, but if you could see what's right behind my, right in front of my desk behind the camera, it just, I literally just shoveled everything on the floor. I mean, I literally just shoveled everything on the floor. That's it. <laughs> I did. And you know what? It's going to stay there for about 90 days. And if it doesn't move, it's just all going in the trash can. See, but, oh, I got to get organized. Why? Is it going to help me make money? Is it going to help me achieve my outcome? Oh, it's going to make me feel good. I don't care. <laughs> what's my right. outcome? What's my outcome? That's what's going to make me feel good. So before we go, I'd like to ask a question related to uh, the current crisis we're in. And it has to do with people who are in sales and have been in sales for their career thus, thus far and are finding themselves without a job right now and are looking for a new sales job and are competing for new sales jobs. What would you tell? Because finding a new job is sales, right? I mean, it, to, to some point, it, it's, it's sales in and of itself. What would you tell someone like that right now who's finding themselves out of work, feels a bit obviously down a little bit panicked about where the, where their money's going to come from. Um, uh, any words of advice for them? Yeah. First of all, don't feel down. This can be the greatest opportunity in your life. The gentleman I was talking to last night on the phone shared with me that the last time he lost his job was before his first child was born. And he said, you know what? This is change compared to that. Spot on, spot on. See, there are tremendous opportunities out there. If again, you put it in perspective, my whole focus is, is where's the upside? Now here's, as you're looking, as you're looking for the next sales job, you want to be looking downstream. You want to be looking and you want to be looking at two things. One, who are the customers that they sell to? And more importantly, who are the customer's customers? Okay. Because in other words, you may, you may sell and, and, and uh, we'll say that, oh, you're going to, you're going to go out and sell catering, catering services. That's great. But wait a minute, wait a minute. If all your catering is to, is to large venues and stadiums and so forth, that may not be coming back anytime soon. Say, yeah. Or, or, you know, or if what you sell is food service items to catering companies that sell to large venues. See, then, then see, that's my customer's customer. See, so look at your customer's customer. Where is that going? And then second of all, look at and, and, and see where have people gone in the organization when they've left, when they've left there before. Go back to my, what I share with you about General Foods. Have those people moved on to bigger and better things? If they haven't, then guess what? This isn't a company that invests in people. And see, you never want to go into an organization that is 100% commission. Here's the reason. They don't care if you fail. Hmm. If you fail, they get rid of you. There's no sweat off their back. I tell this to college students in particular. You never, you, you're going to be lured into this whole thing that, wow, you can make 50, you know, all these big commissions and so forth. But here's the whole thing. Early on in your career, you want to have a very high, you want to have a very high investment from the mothership. As you advance in your career, then you can certainly step back because you've got the skills, you've got the skill set. So you got to look at where you're at in your own skill set and development. But any way you look at it, I want to look at where have people gone when they've left from here? And B, where is this position going to put me one year from now, two years from now? And a final piece, and I talk about this in my book, your 25-year goals. Hmm. 
This is a perfect time to sit there and say, what are, what are my 25-year goals? You do not want to wake up at 70 years of age and say, all you did was react to life. Reacting to life sucks. <laughs> you want to act on life. And what I see is when people are in the midst of a career change, they accept anything that comes along. They accept the next thing. And what happens is they're making a short-term decision that has long-term implications that they never realize until they've reached the long-term and it's too late. And sometimes they trade one prison for another simply because the uh, the grass is greener and the landscaping is newer, but it's still a prison, right? Oh, <laughs> man. And, and not, not only can it be a physical prison in terms of the company that you work for, in terms of the uh, all the, uh, but it's, it's, it's the prison of the mind. Because yeah. then what happens is you begin to shrink down and um, understand this, understand this. It's not what you sell. And, and, and I tell this to a lot of people. Oh, well, they don't make a good product. They don't make a good product. It's not what you sell. It's not even how you sell. It's why you sell. Hmm. What are the outcomes that that product creates? That's what you are selling. I do a lot of work with a lot of different industries with really weird products, weird items. But I love it because the outcome that they create is pretty cool. That's special. That's that's where you want to go. Yeah. Hey, one final piece. Yeah. Don't follow your passion. Don't follow your passion. I always, well, I'm going to follow my passion. Gonna, yeah. Well, I, look, there were a lot of kids who went to college, followed their passion, came out with art degrees, and they're and they're homeless and broke with major <laughs> students. Okay. Okay. I mean, I mean, it, it, you you can follow your passion as a hobby. But you also got to make sure that you can make a living. And, and that, that's a very key thing, because I think what happens and this happens a lot. You see this a lot. I, I know a lot of people sit there and say, well, I, I've always had this itch. Let me go scratch it. Well, let me tell you something. Mm, that itch could become a pretty expensive itch if five years later you're still itching it and, yeah. it, has, and it hasn't materialized. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, absolutely. And that's why I always tell people, if you can build the runway, test it first. <laughs> oh, 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 bingo, bingo. And make yeah. sure there aren't potholes in the runway too. Yeah. <laughs> and, and make sure it's not a 737 max too. So. Yeah. Well, here we are. We're, we're, you, you've already talked about baseball. Now we're talking about runways again. Oh my gosh. We're back hey, to the, we're hey, back to the you know what? I mean, I, I grew up in Seattle and there's a sister, there's a sister plant there in Charleston, Boeing. Right. Yeah. Which is the, which is the only Boeing plant operating right now. I, I, I didn't yeah. know if you know that. Yes. Yes. But they've shut down the Seattle facilities. Uh, yeah, it's it's still it's still marked as essential. They they did a lockdown, but uh, my wife said she looked at the list of essential businesses, and it's like almost every business. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. thank you. That that's a whole. And again, goes back to the pre-show. Every politician, every health, everybody's got a horse in this race. Yeah. So believe me, yeah, yeah, there, yeah, it's it's, and, and of course you got can't remember that November. There's this little thing called the election. So yeah, right, right. yeah. <laughs> Gee, who would have thought that one? But you know what? We'll, we'll get through it. I mean, you know what? I, I I feel bad for anybody who's physically harmed from a health standpoint. I feel those who are harmed economically. Believe me, we all are. I've been hit. I've been hurt. Uh, but you know what? We'll get through it. And I'm gonna I'm gonna enjoy it. I'm gonna learn from it. And um, that's life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Mark Hunter, the sales 
amazonbooks.com. That's where you can go. Go to Amazon, Books a Million, Barnes and Noble, get a mind for sales. It comes out on Tuesday. Now, if you want to read it soon, get it on the Kindle version, right? Because yeah. uh, coronavirus has slowed down the, the, the yeah, actual yeah, book version. Yeah, the hard the hard books will be slowed down. So get the Kindle or get the get the Audible as read by the author. You're listening nice. to A Mind for Sales by Mark Hunter. Well, there you go. If you like the voice that you hear, get the audiobook uh, on Tell Audible. Tell that to my wife, would you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mark, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. This has been a pleasure. I've had fun. This is great. Yeah. Yeah. And thank you everyone for joining us again. If you're joining the archived version of this later day or tomorrow, please jump in, leave your, leave your name, your, your comments, your disagreements, your agreements, your city, your state, your town, where in the world you're joining us from. This has been the Freedom Media Network. Thank you for joining us. 